you're here, you already sense there's something out there, something magical and mysterious, just waiting for you to find. And you've probably already discovered it isn't as easy as just thinking happy thoughts. You're not alone. Generations of shamans, philosophers, seers, and scientists have pursued this eternal quest. Where their ideas come together, you'll find powerful tools to cultivate magic and self-mastery in your own life. Welcome to the Magic and Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Donna Woodwell. I'm a former journalist, an author, a master astrologer, and a hermetic initiate, and it's my honor to be your guide. In each episode, I'll meet you at the crossroads of science and spirit, reason and intuition to help you discover the wisdom that works for you. Are you ready? The adventure awaits. Hello and welcome back to the Magic and Mastery podcast. This is episode 28, The Hero and Desire. Well, I'm so glad you're here. We have a lot of stuff to talk about for Sagittarius season. But before we dive into the specifics of what you can expect for the energies of the coming month, I just want to remind I just want to remind you to make sure you go over to www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast and check out the show notes for the timestamps and any links that I mention in the show. That's www.magicandmastery.com slash podcast. And with that, let's get on with it. I don't think it's any secret for people who've heard me talk about astrology in the past that I really struggle with the why behind giving forecasts at all. Because I recognize that for most people who are concerned about the ins and outs of their daily lives, um, a forecast isn't that helpful. Let's be honest. We are all on our own rhythms. We have our personal ups and downs. And at best, a forecast can give you the ups and downs of the collective, of everybody on the planet and the rhythm that we are going through together. And at this point in history, there's not a lot of collective acknowledgement that we're all going through something together. There is just an awful lot of insulated focus on our individual needs. And so if you're looking for an overall astrology forecast of the month ahead, to make your life specifically a little bit better, well, that's a complicated thing to think about because really you are looking to what the world soul is going through and you'd have to start thinking about how you fit into how the collective itself is evolving. And that's not a natural jump for people, especially in modern Western culture to make. But it can provide things like A, a link to the collective to begin with. It could get you thinking in that direction. Or B, which perhaps is even more important in the long run, is that understanding how the collective moves, how it shifts, how the pendulum swings from one side to the other can help us adopt those same rules within ourselves. And even if we're not exactly in the same place in the journey as the collective as a whole, the principles with which the collective moves are the same. 
And if I can manage to keep that in mind, I think it's safe to talk about the journey that our collective is going on. And that starts with looking at the wheel of the entire year. You know, symbolically speaking, we are moving from high summer, the point of maximum life, to deep winter, the point of maximum darkness. It is yet another example of the pendulum swing from light to dark to light again. And it is a radically different way of conceiving of time than we do in our modern world, which seems to be much more linear and more light, more light, more light, keep moving in one direction, which from the point of view of ancient philosophies, including astrology and all of the rest of them, is our pathology. It's the part of us that's most broken because you can't keep going to one side of the pendulum swing. That is not how nature moves and it's not how time moves. And it's that that if we are to find healing for our collective, that we need to find a way to transcend. We need to get back to a place where we can embrace both the light and the dark as the only healthy approach. Because it touches everything that we do. It touches our our cultural relationships. It touches our tendency to want to place one group above another group or our need to reject certain kinds of knowledge because they don't fit into our pattern. It creates our fears of the dark and all the other neuroses that we deal with as a species. And if we can follow the movement of time and embrace the back and forth for that I think astrology still has a place in this modern world. And so back to the astrology's wheel of time, our zodiac moves from, as I said a moment ago, high summer to deep winter and back again. And because it's based on the movement of time from the northern hemisphere, we can look at what the different steps on the way in the way they conceived that journey. And perhaps the best modern verbiage to be assigned to that process was Joseph Campbell and his hero's journey. The zodiac wheel and the hero's journey are functionally the same pattern, just told in slightly different symbolic languages. In the astrological journey, the sun is the hero. The sun is moving from his ordinary life down into darkness where he confronts monsters is reborn and comes back up the other side, hopefully with more learning that he can then share with others. And so as we move from that point of high summer, that Leo point, all the way down to his opposite, that point in Capricorn and Aquarius, when we burst through the other side again, that's the journey cycle that we're on. So when we're looking at a particular season, such as Sagittarius season, which is just starting right now, we can see what the astrological significance of a particular sign means in the relationship of the entire hero's journey. And so we get to Sagittarius. The basic building blocks of the zodiac sign of Sagittarius are that it is a mutable 
fire sign ruled by Jupiter. So let's start with the Jupiter rulership. Jupiter is a planet that encourages us to reach up and out toward our divine natures. It seeks to align us with the sense of truth and divinity that resonates within all of us. That's why we call it the greater benefic. The things that it connects us to tend to be the pleasures that endure. The sense of wonder for being at a glorious sunrise or the awe that we feel when we are in the presence of the divine. Those moments that help us transcend our limited sense of self. And since it's the day side of Jupiter, it's all of those things in the concept of our light world. Our light world in the sense of what our conscious, aware selves can cope with. And so how that translates into our physical realm is all kinds of knowledge, truth-telling, the desire to go on adventures and broaden our own horizons. It's also mutable, which means it's changeable, and it's willing to go out beyond what we know into something else. And because it provides us, if we're willing, with an opportunity to go beyond ourselves, it is also in charge of all guides who can help with that process. So the wise teachers, the wise counselors who act as the first guide of the hero on his journey that helps him get from being turned around, that his life is totally uh, upside down, where he needs to go next, fall into the realm of Sagittarius. And so if the story is Star Wars, then it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda. If the story is the Karate Kid, then it's Mr. Miyagi. And you can see in many television shows and movies and books that follow the format of the hero's journey, there's someone along in the beginning that once the hero has set out on learning something new, that there's someone who helps him along the way to get him sorted out in order to revision who and what life who he is and what life is all about. Now that's the skillful application of Sagittarian energy. The unskillful application of Sagittarius energy is all of those parts of the story turned over on their heads. So it's the charlatan who pretends at knowledge in order to make a profit, or someone who claims to have a truth, or worse, to be creating alternative truths in an attempt to manipulate the people around us. It's also for the moment when we realize we've set off on a quest of some kind, but we refuse to recognize the teachers who stumble along our paths because we're too caught up in our current vision of the way things are. And since we cling to it so tightly, we reject the help when it's offered. That would be like, back to our Star Wars example, if Luke Skywalker had 
seen Obi-Wan Kenobi and just said, you have nothing to offer me and gone off someplace else. The journey would have been stalled in that place because there was no one to help the hero on his journey lead him to the next step. And so this is the place that the world's soul is going through for the moment. Collectively, we are seeking guidance, looking for teachers, seeking to find truth. That's the highest inner meaning of this moment in time. Doesn't always play out that way in our three-dimensional world. Often people feel the natural optimism and exuberance of Sagittarius ruled by Jupiter at this moment in time, and they use it to go off in a quest to buy things for the holiday season, in a quest to fulfill some kind of expectations about what this season is supposed to be. But because we're not often questing for the right kinds of things, that's why the seasons can be so hard when our expectations are not fulfilled. And so if you were to take one thing from this moment in time, if you could advise the entire collective, this is a moment to consider our connection to the divine. This is our moment to reach out and find those things that would inspire us. And so if you could take some time to curl up and read inspirational books or listen to inspirational teachers that can remind you who and what you are, that you are a spiritual being having a human experience and all of the ramifications of that, then you're making the best use of this moment in time and to be able to celebrate that with other people. That's the highest energetic potential of our collective at this moment in time. Sagittarius season begins on November 21st and runs through December 20th. And so it's the energy that we are working with for the next 30 days or so. When we look at the mood that we might be feeling as we move into a new season, we look beyond the sun to the sun's partner, the moon. And at the moment the sun is moving into Sagittarius, the moon over in the opposite sign of Gemini, but very void of course. So a void of course moon just simply means a moon that has made all of the aspects that it's going to make with the other visible planets until it moves into the next sign. So it's kind of done all of its work and lacks a little bit of purpose. Or more visually, it's kind of like the place between waves. So when you want to learn how to body surf, you go out and you catch a wave and the wave pushes you into the shore. Well, a void moon is like trying to learn how to surf when you're caught in that trough between waves. There's nothing to push you into shore. And so Traditionally, in astrology, void moons are associated with moments in time when it's very difficult to get something new to manifest. It's one thing to go out there and paddle around, to putter around your house, to clean up things that are already in process. But when you're trying to 
get some oomph behind you to create or do something new, you are working with a lack of power to make that happen. And so we have to keep that in mind when we look at the entire season. No matter what is happening with all of the other aspects going on, there is fundamentally a lack of oomph to get things moving in any kind of way. So generally, things that are created under a void of course moon, uh, they just don't come to fruition in the long run. And so it's kind of like a fizzle effect. So anything that is created at this moment in time, for good or for ill, however you judge it, is going to tend to fizzle in the long run. And so better Sagittarius season to focus on cleaning up what you already have rather than trying to attain something new. Unfortunately, that may be a little more complicated given that two of the restless movement-oriented planets are also moving into Sagittarius at this time. So Mercury's moving into Sagittarius on November 24th and will be there until December 13th. And then right after that, on December 13th, Mars will be moving into Sagittarius to take Mercury's place, and he'll be there until January 24th. So quite a while. Let's look at Mercury first. Mercury is a planet that likes to connect opposites. So he's always going back and forth between different polarities, trying to find a way to reconcile them, or at least get them to speak together. Unfortunately, Mercury's not at his best when he's in Sagittarius. Mercury's often better off when he's listening, considering alternative points of view, even when he's constrained by physicality so that he's going a little bit more slowly. When he's in Sagittarius, it's as if all of his restlessness has got a mission on top of it, And he tends to go off half-cocked in all kinds of different directions. So when Mercury is in Sagittarius, people tend to blurt out things that they may not have entirely meant, or what they blurt out might not be entirely true because it's being governed by different emotions or expectations. It's just not an easy time for the mercurial principle. When Mercury is in Sagittarius, the trickster urge can get himself into more trouble than anyone would have thought possible. So consider the characters of Merry and Pippin in The Lord of the Rings. You know, the hobbits who kind of followed along what Frodo and Samwise were doing and kept getting themselves in trouble as they went through their journey. Yes, they had a journey, but it was often by bungling their way through things because of their over-eager zealotry, their excess curiosity that creates all kinds of havoc along the way. Now, as Mars moves into Sagittarius, Mars is much more of the direct, forceful, active, assertive energy of the chart. It truly needs to move and burn and feel like it's making the mark on the world. It does not sit still well. So when Mars is in Sagittarius, we want to take all of that energy 
and move it out into the world. It unites with the fiery Mars, unites with the fire of Sagittarius to get something done, to have a mission, to have a sense of purpose that is fulfilled. Um, it's the crusader waving the sword, wanting to go off on adventures without planning, without considering the alternatives to just go. Now, normally, when Mars is in Sagittarius, it is a great time to break new ground and get something accomplished, especially things that have felt stuck or purposeless. But because it's happening at a time that the season opened with a sense of fizzle, the, the void moon energy overseeing a large part of the season, that Mars desire for a cause may feel very frustrated. And so we may see at a collective level the need to do something, even if it's the wrong thing. And or it's going to come out in a lot of frustration that blows up in ways that are non-constructive. Often in times like this, the non-constructive activities are fueled by an external expression of our shadow selves. Now, our shadow selves, just defined by Carl Jung as the stuff about ourselves that we aren't ready to admit to. It's the things that we push away because of our culture, our upbringing, or just our ego and our pride that we don't want to admit are true about ourselves. And it's that shadow stuff that comes to the fore, especially when we're in the middle of eclipse season, which we are currently. We just had a lunar eclipse on the 19th of November, and the next one is coming up as a solar eclipse at the new moon on Monday, December 4th. And this solar eclipse in Sagittarius just brings all of the dark bits closer to the surface, at least closer to our conscious awareness. And in Sagittarius, those things tend to be related by to our beliefs, our relationship to truth, and our, again, our sense of purpose and mission. And so put that together with the other factors that are coming on this month. Our energy is being directed in unconscious ways in order to express our shadow rather than in more skillful or conscious ways to connect us to our divine selves. Now the planet Jupiter, as I've said, is a big player this month because Jupiter is the ruler of Sagittarius. Jupiter's in a difficult position at the moment. It's at the very tail end of the sign of Aquarius. All things being equal, Jupiter's not miserable in Aquarius, but because he's at the very end of a sign, when planets are at the end of a sign, they're beginning to undergo a transformation to the next sign. So you can think of them as like snakes shedding their skins or birds beginning to molt. There's a, a preparation for what's coming next that leaves them at best feeling awkward, at worst feeling grumpy. And so Jupiter is indisposed at the moment and not a lot of help on taming the 
wilds of Mercury and Mars in his own house. It's kind of like being a house guest from someone who's like, you know, got the flu. Not ideal for anyone, not the landlord and certainly not the house guest. Now, Jupiter is going to be moving into his home sign of Pisces on December 30th. And so there is some hope for Mars as we go into the coming year. He's going to be in a better place to use some of that Jupiterian energy to his advantage. But until we get to the end of December, it's not the best situation for him. Perhaps the best clue for how to put this combination of energies to work is in the fact that all during this period, Venus, which is the planet that has to do with love and beauty, but really the energy that pulls, that pulls things toward ourselves. It's our desire nature. It's the part of us that craves things for good or for ill. Venus is slowing way, way down to prepare for her one of her rare retrograde periods. So Venus is going to be retrograde from December 19th through the end of January till January 29th in the sign of Capricorn, very earthy sign. And in the process, she is going to be conjuncting the sign Pluto. Pluto is the ruler of the underworld in in Greek mythology, several times back and forth. Pluto being the literal ruler of shadow, <laughs> put all these pieces together and we get the possibility for a time of reflection on how our deepest desires, our cravings are being created by the shadowy parts of our nature. If we're willing to spend some time bringing that to light. And so it can be a great opportunity to own up to understanding what we are craving and whether it's actually true to what we want or need in the world. If it's just kind of some kind of leftover habit or based on fears or something else that no longer serves us. And so this Venus retrograde period can be an incredibly powerful opportunity to confront that inner monster, so to speak, the monster that we are cowering in the corner from, or the monster that's urging us on to behave from the darker side of our shadow self bring some conscious awareness to the equation so that transformation is possible. Of course, bringing our inner shadow to light is never easy. By definition, it's things about ourselves that we don't want to see. So it's not as simple as sitting down and go, oh, I want to see the things that I'm hiding from myself. <laughs> it takes time, therapy, journaling, all kinds of tricks that we use, observing our dreams in order to hopefully bring the stuff that we've rejected up for healing. And even with the best of intentions and desires, it is hard work. It's certainly hard work for an individual to undertake. 
Unfortunately, at this moment in history, there's an awful lot of shadow that we need to process. And there aren't nearly as many tools for our collective to begin to process our own shadows. That's why we are seeing, we'll just use the United States as an example, such a struggle right now, because as the US is moving through its own Pluto return, that Pluto, the Lord of the underworld, is bringing up all of the US shadows and throwing them into our face. So all of the conversations about the dark parts of our history coming to light, dealing with our history of slavery, dealing with our history of the genocide of the Native Americans, all of that is part of our collective shadow. And it's bursting forth in all kinds of places, begging for us to address it. But the only public vehicles that we have for that are the news media, the internet, and social media, and they're not exactly potent venues for therapy. They are venues for the wild, chaotic expression of things, not so much the healing of things. And in countries that have gone through this kind of violent um, explosion of shadow stuff, you know, I think of South Africa and the Truth Commissions or other places that need to find collective healing. It takes a Truth Commission where everyone agrees to sit down and air out their differences and talk through them and show the disparate voices. Until the United States as a collective comes up with some kind of equivalent of a Truth Commission, there isn't a way forward not anything simple anyway. And I don't see that we are there as a society. I don't know if we have not grown up enough yet, or just enough voices haven't recognized that that's what we need. But we will see, we will see what happens over time. Because as I said, when we're talking about the astrology of everyone, it's the story of the collective. Down on a more personal level, Venus retrogrades bring things back into our lives to give us the opportunity to explore whether it's something that we want or not. So it can bring old relationships, it can bring old concepts back, anything that's up for re-evaluation. What's going to make it especially difficult in this holiday season is that Venus wants things. She's that desire nature of us. And when she is in Capricorn, she wants physical things. And when it's retrograde, it's very difficult to for her to find satisfaction. So it suggests that there's going to be an awful lot of struggle with unmet expectations during this season. And it could be simply because, you know, the global supply chain is in such disarray that people's things on their wish list did not get fulfilled. But I think it's going to go deeper than that, that there's going to be a lot of frustration that all of our excess baggage about what we think the holiday season is supposed to be, what we think other people are supposed to be doing in the holiday season, and on and on can create a lot of frustration in our psyches. And so if you were to take a message 
from this collective activity for your own personal lives, it's release some of the expectations. Simplify things as much as possible, especially during this holiday season time, because are they really going to make you happy in the long run? Or are you just setting yourselves up for unmet expectations? You know, the Buddhist wisdom that says um, suffering is rooted in our cravings is very true. You know, pain is one thing. It we all feel pain in our lives. It hurts to exist. There are some things you get cut, you hurt, you bleed, you move on. It only becomes suffering when you focus and marinate on those moments of pain, reliving them again and again and again in the past, or projecting the fear from that moment into the future and then recycling your fears of the future. Both of those are the most potent drivers of suffering in our lives, where if we would just be present in what is happening in the moment and let some of that go, we would walk through the world with a a lighter, a more harmonious existence. And so this, once again, is an opportunity to remember that in the context of what the world is bringing us. If individuals and the collective will pick up the banner and run with it. And with that, we come to the end of our forecast. And so you know what that means, that it is time for an experiment. And for that, I think it's most appropriate to take a page from Lucifer Morningstar. Now, you may not be aware that Lucifer Morningstar is one of the names given to Venus. Venus is the light bringer. That's what Lucifer means. And morning star is her morning star appearance. And so the irony or perhaps intention of Lucifer in the television show's superpower of asking people, what do you desire is based on the astrological interpretation of the desire nature of Venus. But it's a potent question that can bring you closer to understanding your shadowy bits that can ultimately help you find healing and transformation. And so for this experiment that will really take place for this, not just this week, but really the next couple months, if you could just take a few moments at some point in time Find a nice quiet place, piece of paper and a pencil, and just ask yourself the question, what do I desire? And write down the answer. Whatever that answer is again, ask the question again. And keep asking and feeling within yourself for the deeper and deeper layers of your own desire. Perhaps even what do I desire and why? Until you feel like you've gotten to the bottom of the deepest desires that you have. Past the superficial, ephemeral things, the desires of the moment to something even deeper. Because there is true power in understanding what your deepest desire is, especially if you can use it to guide understanding why 
You make the choices that you make. Of course, as the headmistress of my school of magic and mastery, my job is to provide you with all the tools that you need to find that magical, meaningful life that perhaps you've been desiring on your deepest level. And to this end, of course, I have numerous magical courses, my own magic and mastery coven, but the single most beneficial tool for you is always going to be beginning your own book of shadows. Because a book of shadows is simply a journaling program that helps you unlock your shadowy bits slowly over time. There's nothing else that you can do that will change your life more than this. All of the rest of it is great, wonderful tools on your journey can add to the process, but the nutrition, the basic nutrition that we all need is that relationship with ourselves of being honest and self-evaluating so that we can bring more consciousness to our own lives. And that's what the Book of Shadows program will help you do. And because it's so very important, I have priced it as the most basic of all of my products. It is just $27 for the whole package, which is several hours worth of training, encouragement, how to establish your own journaling program and successfully stick with it. And even better, right now, the Book of Shadows journaling program is an additional 25% off for our holiday Black Friday sales extravaganza. So I highly recommend that you check it out at www.magicandmastery.com book and pick up your own copy. If you don't already have one, it is the best thing you could do for yourselves for the new year. And once again, that's www.magicandmastery.com book. And thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the Magic and Mastery podcast. Of course, I have uploaded links and timestamps from this episode to the show notes at www.magicandmastery.com podcast. Make sure you check them out so you can find the things that are most interesting to you and tune into them again. And last but not least, I'm so glad that you've tuned in to this episode. I hope I've given you much food for thought. But if you've enjoyed what you've heard, if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast, I would most appreciate it because it helps me understand what makes you jazz so I can provide you with more of the good stuff. And if you do like it, why don't you share it with a friend? 